You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I am NCBA Senior Director of Policy Communications. Joining us this week is Kent Backus. Kent is the Senior Director of International Trade and Market Access, and Scott Yeager, who is NCBA's Chief Environmental Counsel. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. All right, Kent, let's start with you. Um, We had some news over the weekend, a little bit unexpected uh, news breaking out of France on Sunday um, with President Trump and um, Shinzo Abe from uh, Japan making an announcement at the G7 uh, meeting in uh, in France. Uh, tell us a little bit about what was announced. We don't know a whole lot at this point, but they did announce sort of an agreement in principle on agricultural trade between the U.S. and Japan. What did, what, what did they announce on Sunday? So the announcement from President Trump and Prime Minister Abe is is simply that it's an it's an agreement in principle. It's a framework, essentially saying that uh, the U.S. and Japan are going to try to enter into an agreement, uh, and and they're going to really focus on agriculture. There'll be some other uh, changes on industrial tariffs and digital trade, but ag is the big focus, especially for the United States. For the U.S. beef industry, Japan is the biggest export market. It's a $2 billion market, represents about a quarter of our overall exports. So this is a very exciting news. That doesn't mean that the deal is done. Now, there's still some final details that will have to be you know, flushed out. They're going to have to uh, try to, to work through some issues. Uh, we're not fully aware of everything that they need to discuss, but we know that they've made a lot of progress, and they're hoping to, to sign a final agreement uh, uh, in New York at the end of September uh, alongside the UN General Assembly meeting. So we're hopeful that the negotiators are going to be successful over the next few weeks in really tamping down any last remaining issues so that we can really celebrate opening that Japanese market for U.S. beef. All right. And of course, the market is open. It has been open. Like you said, it's our top export market for beef. Um, abroad, but obviously, you know, we were working on the Trans-Pacific Partnership for many years. Um, that deal basically fell through on the U.S. side um, uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, that's given some of our, um, you know, so some of our competitors around the world uh, sort of a tariff advantage there in Japan. Talk a little bit about why it's so important for us to to get a bilateral deal done with Japan. Yeah, you know, even though Japan is our biggest export market, uh, we still face that 38.5% tariff. And unfortunately, our competitors have a leg up on us because uh, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Mexico, their tariff is only 26.6%, and it's phasing down to 9%. So if we don't do anything soon, we're going to see that gap grow. Now, we're fortunate right now that because of shortages in Australia and, and tight global supplies, and tremendous demand in China, our sales into Japan have not really been hit that hard. However, uh, you know that may not always be the case. So we want to level that playing field, bring our tariff uh, into uh, into line with those other countries, or at least give us a, a you know a fighting chance there. And I think the administration certainly understands uh, that we're behind the eight ball. You know, we we really need to uh, to level that playing field or or US beef and, and other commodities like pork are going to fall behind and uh, you know we certainly don't want to lose market share in our leading export market we we want to see that grow uh, we can't really make up those sales in other places Japan is the highest market for us in both value and volume 
and uh, you know they they've got a a very loyal client base there. But Japanese consumers, like American consumers, also look at price, and we could essentially be priced out of the market if we don't have a deal. So that's why this announcement is exciting because it it shows that this is a priority for both the U.S. and Japan, and that we're ready to get serious about trade. And, uh, and, and to try to finalize an agreement here in the next few weeks. So hopefully, Ed, here at the end of September, we'll have that chance. Right. And just one sort of housekeeping item on this is, unlike other trade deals like the USMCA or NAFTA back in the day, it doesn't look like this has to get congressional approval. Is that is that the way it looks right now, the way it's being structured? It could be signed um, at this UN meeting in September, and then hopefully that's that's it. It goes into effect. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out all of that because uh, it looks like this may be an, an executive action. There may be uh, some way to move forward with this agreement without having to go through Congress. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Congress it takes uh, its sweet, precious time with a lot of things, including trade bills. And, and we certainly don't want any trade bills, whether it's an agreement with Japan or the USMCA, to be held hostage for political reasons. And so, uh, you know, if they can expedite this and, and get this across the line uh, as quickly as possible, I think that'd be great. Uh, I still think, you know, Congress is certainly going to, to want to have their hand uh, involved somehow. So I, I don't really know how this is all going to play out yet. Uh, but the exciting news is, is that it is a priority for the Trump administration, uh, for Prime Minister Abe in Japan. And both sides want to see this implemented as soon as possible. All right, Scott, let's turn to you. Uh, there's been some news on the WOTUS front, the waters of the U.S. front. Why don't you bring us up to speed on, on what happened uh, in a legal decision last week? Well, there was a decision in the Georgia Federal District Court that said that the 2015 WOTUS rule is illegal. And, and back in May, we talked about a Texas decision that, that did something along the same lines. It was a decision that was the first decision that we had a court saying the 2015 rule violated the law. Now, this new Georgia decision is much in the same line, but it goes even a step further than that Texas decision because it says that the EPA and the Army Corps under the Obama administration not only violated the Administrative Procedure Act, which is a which is basically a law that gives the agencies a roadmap for how to conduct rulemakings. It said it violated that and the 2015 Obama rule violated the Clean Water Act. Now that's different. And it's significant because it shows that a court agrees with us, and this is what we've been arguing for the last five years, and we've been litigating this issue in many different courts, including the Texas and the Georgia court. We've been saying that this rule violates the Clean Water Act because it's way overbroad. It's basically a federal land grab at its worst. And this is the first time with this Georgia decision that we have a court that agrees with us. So it's a big decision. It's a big deal. It's a big victory for us because it, it validates everything we've been saying up till now. And it helps put another nail in that coffin. That is the 2015 WOTUS rule. Right. Now, and like you said, we've been talking about this for years. We talked about the zombie WOTUS, right, a couple, a couple of times back, especially around Halloween. Had a little fun with that. Um, where basically in 27 states, I think it is now, the 2015 rule is not in effect. It's been effectively repealed, um, at least not necessarily from a legal standpoint, but it's not in effect there. And in 22 states, I think it is, it is in effect. Um, does this ruling in Georgia affect the breakdown on those 27 and 22 states at all? In that breakdown, we're calling that the regulatory patchwork. And like you said, there are 27 states that have an injunction 
against the 2015 rule, right? So in those 27 states, they're protected from the Obama rule. And then the other 22 states still had the 2015 Obama rule in effect. And we're calling that the regulatory patchwork. Um, now, this Georgia decision does not change that patchwork because Judge Wood, in the case, remanded the decision back to the EPA and the Army Corps for further decisions in line with, with that. So it's not an outright vacature, right? And a vacature would have changed that patchwork and basically would have killed the, the states that had the 2015 rule. Uh, instead, it's a remand, right? So effectively, it doesn't change who, which states are in or, or, or out of the 2015 rule. But what it does do is it gives us another cartridge in the, in the magazine that says this 2015 rule is illegal and we can never go back to it. And that's part of the message that we brought when NCBA went to the White House last week to encourage the Office of Management and Budget to repeal and replace the WOTUS rule, right? And we talked about the Texas decision. We talked about this latest Georgia decision. And those are things that help expedite the process here in D.C. to make sure that this repeal and replace happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, so what is the latest thinking on the timing of this? When can we expect to see uh, uh, ultimately a new rule that, that's a little bit, that it clarifies the situation a little bit uh, better than the 2015 rule did? So the repeal rule, and that is the rule that repeals the 2015 Obama rule, we're expecting that to go final and become effective law in the next days or weeks. So any day now, it could happen. When that gets done, that is going to administratively remove the 2015 rule from the code of federal regulation. So it's gone. So then what that means, practically speaking, going back to that uh, framework or the, the regulatory patchwork, those states that had the 2015 rule in place, they, that goes away and they go to the pre-2015 rule. Okay, so that's the repeal. That'll be in the coming days and weeks. After that, we have the Trump administration's replacement rule, which is their substantive definition of a WOTUS. And that proposal draws back federal jurisdiction and provides clear, clear rules and provides protections to waters that are truly federal, right? We're expecting that replacement rule to happen by the end of the year. And when I say that replacement rule will happen, it means it's going to be finalized. Once it's finalized, it is effective law. So that's what we're seeing play out between now and the end of the year. We're going to see that repeal and replace go final. All right. Scott, Kent, thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef. Check us out online at policy.ncba.org and follow us on Twitter at Beltway Beef. Thanks for listening. <laughs>